everybody. We've got an amazing show for you today. Friend of the pod, Alex Wilhelm, is with us from TechCrunch in his sixth appearance, and we're going to cover Tesla's unbelievable Q4 earnings and the IPO window. Is it closing, opening? And then finally, since we have Alex, we break down all of the most hotly anticipated IPOs of 2022. We talk about whether they're going to happen, how they're going to go, what our favorites are, and what we think is going to be in the dumpster. And those specifically are? Well, we can't give it away now. No, no, but we should tell them what companies we're going to we're going to go. Oh, over yeah, yeah, totally. Here. So we're going to talk about the IPO, the potential IPOs of Stripe, Discord, Reddit, Impossible, Instacart, GoPuff, and Chime. Who what we think's going to win? Who we think's going to lose? Who we think's just going to bail on IPO completely? It's good. It's going to be an amazing show. Stick with us. This week in startups is brought to you by Eight Sleep. The first bed engineered to improve your sleep through dynamic cooling and heating, detailed sleep tracking, and more. Try the pod for free for 100 days at 8sleep.com slash twist. Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Your first app is free forever. And right now, Odoo is offering $1,000 off your first implementation pack at odoo.com slash twist. That's odoo.com slash twist. And Assure is the leading provider of special purpose vehicles and fund administration with over 5,000 completed transactions and $2.5 billion under administration. Twist listeners can get 20% off their first SPV at assure.co slash twist. All right, everybody, we have Alex Wilhelm, senior editor at TechCrunch, host of the Equity podcast. And I would say not even just a friend of the pod, more like a fave Mm -hmm. of the pod. Sixth appearance on Twist. There is nobody better to break down the financials. The man is an S1 wizard and Mm -hmm. the master of IPO dissection. So we brought him on to talk about, obviously, Tesla earnings, an amazing quarter, an amazing year for the company. Welcome, Alex. Thank you for having me back on. I didn't know this was my sixth time showing up. I think it just goes to show that I say yes to, uh, to Jason whenever he asks. Maybe I should tighten up my, my <laughs> yeah. rules a little bit. Everyone I think we does. Send, I, I talk to my team, but I would like to have the blazers. I would like to send people a blazer or a, a, what, a quarter zip with like fifth appearance, you know, twist five, and then like a twist 10. I just think it would be cool. I, was I gonna, think so too. I was just thinking that like Saturday Night Live, they have the five Saturday time, Let's like the smoking that. jacket. Yeah. I think that'd be hilarious. A smoking jack would be even funnier. I, mean, I was going to actually great. wear my usual tank top, but I figured for you two, I would dress up and wear sleeves. So this is yeah, my, like my, that. my attempt. It's, it's a good call. We don't get the adult label uh, on our content. If you, <laughs> yeah, we don't want to show any shoulders here. Um, Thank you. And everybody you. follow Alex, of course, on Twitter, part of the first name club, Alex. So Tesla, I guess, is the big news, an amazing company, obviously, and an amazing quarter. 2021 full year revenue, 53 billion dollars up 71 percent year over year that's just bonkers q4 was a juggernaut 17 billion up 65 percent year over year this was driven by their 71 percent increase in total deliveries model sx production was down 19 percent year over year i think that is uh because they're so busy building the other cars because everybody i know who's put down deposits for their s and x plaid you know this like with the yoke is mm-hmm. telling me they have like six months to a year wait time. Wow. So I think the pro- my guess is I don't have inside information. I always got to do that little disclaimer. Well, look, my- you look at the chart. I mean, Model 3 and Y production up 79%. Yeah. 
What you really need Crazy. to pay attention to there is they moved essentially their production over to the Model 3 and they actually still had expanding automotive gross margins. That's insane to me. I thought when they moved to the cheaper cars, Wait, they were going to have... Ah, so um, you buy a Model S, you pay a lot of money for it. You buy a Model X, you're paying a lot, a lot of money for it. Generally speaking, more expensive items have higher gross margins. They're kind of higher quality revenue. And so I thought when Tesla moved to more Model 3s, their revenue quality would go down as their volume went up. Mm. Um, but if you actually take a look at the numbers, if I recall, uh, when I read through this last night, their automotive gross margins are actually better. And so that to me is just a coup for the business and just goes to show how well it's run. It's very, very impressive. I'm kind of blown wow. away, frankly. How do you do that? What is the efficiency that you could do to make sure that those margins stay the same? Is that a manufacturing efficiency? Is it a hiring efficiency? Like, how do you pull that off? I think it's manufacturing and sourcing a lot. Um, and I think Tesla has shown that with scale, they will improve. I mean, that's the concept of operating leverage that VCs like y'all love to see in businesses, that their profitability increases as their revenue scales. Uh, I, I just thought it was going to struggle when they moved to cheaper cars. But, you know, Tesla the, has uh, been a shocker. You, you have uh, nailed it. Um, I remember visiting the factory when they were first building some of them. And there was this tension of like, what in the car would be built by Tesla? And then what would be sourced? And I've had many conversations with Elon about this. He likes to build the stuff himself. He's a bit of a builder, if, if you haven't noticed. And so you look at their monitors, you look at their HVAC unit as just one. They have built their own essential HVAC. What, what puts the heat and the cooling in the car is their design now. And if you watch the guy, what's his name, Monroe, who breaks down the cars and rips them apart. When he did the breakdown for the X and the Y, he started looking at what they're building versus what they're sourcing. And when you build everything yourself, that's incredibly expensive, requires factories, and you have a couple of years of iterating on it. Well, all of that iteration from the last decade of Elon saying like, we can build a better HVAC unit for this. We could build better wiring harnesses. We could build a better display. All of that now has come to fruition. Yeah. Because it's the same monitor now in all the cars. So when they did the refresh on the Model S and the X, they took that landscape monitor. No, I'm sorry, the portrait monitor, and they flipped it landscape, right? And so you're, that's exactly what you're seeing here. And then, of course, the big story is batteries. And the fact that they make their own battery packs and they have the Gigafactory, yeah. if they can just make the batteries a couple of percentage points cheaper every year, they can expand the range, and then they make it more efficient with software and science. That's going to be the killer thing. And I, I think the big news here, which isn't anywhere in any of this reporting is, what happens when they have the $25,000 car? If they can show this level of efficiency, what happens when there's a, what is the cheapest car you could buy now? Like, is it a, a Fit, Honda Fit, or a Ford Focus? Or is that, I don't know this category very well. It's probably you, in the Honda Fit range, don't you think? I mean, that's not that 25K? No, yes, it's cheaper than like, that. Honda Fit, I'm just going to go well, Honda this. Fit is 18,000, 17,000. I happen okay. to be in a long-term relationship with a Honda Fit fanatic. Uh, 16,160. <laughs> That's incredible. Go. There's a sixteen thousand dollars. It's not I know a people lot who spend of car. six I know people who spend sixteen thousand on Uber Dude, every month. No, it's like <laughs> mysteriously gigantic on the inside. This is Honda's really? magic thing, is those cars are like a TARDIS. They're bigger on the inside than they are on the outside. It's the weirdest phenomenon. Anyway, we're a we're slightly off. If you track. put a little bit of like features into it, I see it quickly goes up to twenty five. The real question though I want to know is like what is the cost of a Chevy Bolt? Right? Because that's where, like right now, you've got the leaf. You've yes. got the Chevy Bolt, like you do have cheaper EV options that have less range and less infrastructure. And if price is your consideration, you're probably still going to make that trade off or the Kia Nero, 
um, is a really popular one that I think maybe now has an all electric, but is a popular 2022 hybrid. Chevy Bolt starts at 31.5. That's cheap. That's cheap. That is super cheap. Yeah, so nobody is buying them, right? They're not popular. Oh, I see them everywhere. Really? really? Yeah. I see Teslas. I mean, so it, my rule of I thumb see a is a lot of it, bolts. Yeah. Well, if it makes it to Rhode Island, I'm I consider it kind of mass market, and I see a lot of Teslas, and I see a handful of of bolts at most, or bolts, whatever. Twenty twenty one sales for Q three in the U S. Twenty five thousand total for the Bolt EV and the Bolt right. EUV. That's not 22, bad. Twenty two thousand of them are in Oakland. Yeah, I think they're all in for sure. the East Bay. <laughs> Good sleep is the ultimate game changer. We all know that. According to 8sleep, over 30% of Americans struggle with their sleep. And temperature is one of the main reasons. Don't I know it? I sometimes wake up in a sweat. It's too hot. It's too dry. I can't take it. I like it to be nice and crisp sheets, nice and cool. And that's my jam for getting a great night's sleep. And now 8sleep allows me to do that. And they're going to allow you to do it with their new Pod Pro cover. So if you already have a mattress you love... You don't need to change it. Now you can just buy the cover and still experience the full magic of 8sleep. The Pod Pro cover is the most advanced solution on the market for thermoregulation. It pairs dynamic cooling and heating with biometric tracking. This way you can add the cover to any mattress and the temperature of the cover will adjust to each side of the bed. And it will adjust for your sleep stages, biometrics, and bedroom temperature. It reacts intelligently to create the optimal sleep environment. And if you've got a partner and they like it hot and you like it cool or vice versa, you're all set. Each side, Viva La Difference, gets to get their exact needs met. Eight sleep users fall asleep up to 32% faster and it reduces sleep interruptions by 40% according to Eight Sleep. And you'll get more restful sleep overall by using it. And I can tell you that is true because I use it every night. Now you can add the Pod Pro cover to any mattress. Go to 8sleep.com slash twist to check out the Pod Pro cover and save $150 off at checkout. That's right, $150 off at checkout, 8sleep.com slash twist. I mean, listen, like when I was, I was like, I need to buy an EV stat for my How We Survive podcast. I was like, I got to like, it's part of the story and the whatever. What am I going to get? And I was like, oh, I'm totally going to get the Bolt. And then I was like, wait. I need range and infrastructure. And I, that brings me back to Tesla's earnings, actually, because yes. when you look at another area of growth, the silent, like the secret deadly weapon of the Tesla in the Tesla universe is this supercharger stations up 36% year over year. What? Supercharger Wait, connectors up 35% oh. year over year. Uh, the number went from in Q4 2020, Q3 2021, 29,000. 281 supercharger connectors, 3,254 stations up to 3,476 on stations wow. and 31,498 connectors. That right there is why you, why Tesla cannot be beat right now, even if the cars are better. Yeah. And it did all of that while generating the max free cash flow that it ever has in data that we currently have available to us. So free cash flow in the last quarter was 2.8 billion. Uh, a year ago is 1.9, went down as far as to 293 million. So like this company is just, I, I, I don't know. Can we, I forget, Jason, can we swear on the show? I, what are the rules? Yeah. Okay. I totally can. It's so fun. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I've been on some shows that, you know, anyways, Tesla is in gold all over the place <laughs> while also managing to build out its uh, supercharger network and drive to going back to my point from earlier. It's automotive course margin from 24.1% a year ago to 30.6% this year. That's yeah. 6% or 25% of its prior total. It's an enormous improvement in revenue quality. 
I, I, when does the dividend come is my next question for this company. Not will it survive? Like when does it have so much cash? They're default alive now. It would be horrible if they gave dividends. I would much rather see them um, invest in that 25K car, maybe even not have great margins on it, but increase the number of those cars out there. And I'd like to see them keep doing the supercharger. The other thing people don't realize is they're going to have a subscription revenue business. I just turned on because I was at a charging station on the way to Tahoe two nights ago. And I realized, oh, my free high speed, you know, oh, yeah, connection your, sir, the was over service or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that they have this premium service and, I, you know, like I could connect it to my Verizon LTE, but I just don't want to deal with that because the connections are never great. So I was like 20 bucks a month, 240 a year. Sure. Here it is. And I just in my app just clicked OK. And they're like, we have your credit card already, Mr. Calaganis. Boom. You now have that. <laughs> And uh-huh. so I was watching Book of Boba Fett while supercharging with my daughters in the car and they were thrilled, right? And, and, and now think about that, a million cars paying 20 bucks a month for connectivity. And then maybe there's going to be a 30 or $40 package where you could have the remote viewing of your camera. So it becomes like a security camera thing, like a remote dash cam. They could just keep charging, upselling people. And maybe that becomes they have a million people someday subscribed to a 20 or $30 a month service. Yeah, but it's, its stock is still really expensive. Like you have to buy into that sure. entire growth story to make the the multiples work out. Like Tesla is a, is, yes. is I think now you're right. Default alive, great company. The proof is really in the pudding. It has consistently improved its overall business for for so long now. I'm kind of blown away. But I will say, what I like take if I if you gave me like 10k and like pick a stock, I wouldn't I wouldn't pick Tesla today. I feel like the upside's priced in because people are enthusiastic about the company and especially about Elon, and that's fine, yeah. fine. It's not yeah. no sweat off my back, but I mean, I'm not like, oh God, it's so cheap. Buy it. No, uh, and- I think it's an and, 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 right? It's like, yes, they are killing it. Yes, they are default alive. Yes, right now, if you are really looking for a, a, a day-to-day driver right this second, yeah. and that picture is going to start to change rapidly, yes. right? Like every manufacturer is now legitimately in the EV game. I have started to drive a couple of them just to sort of see what the difference is between car makers who are switching to EVs and EV makers who are, you know, I mean, he's reinventing the car. Not everybody's going to want that. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a, there, I think the competitive landscape question is going to be really interesting over the next year or two as it relates to that stock price. Uh, right now, price to sales. Uh, so the price of the entire company and the sales, 53 billion, uh, is 16.2, which is pretty rich. Maybe five to 10 would be what you would you know, expect. And then uh, based on their price to earnings, 156, I think is right, 5 billion. So yeah, it's, it's fully, I would say fully valued would be a kind way of saying it. It's expensive is another way of saying it. Crazy expensive. Is, yeah, yeah, let's, let's play a little game. Uh, Jason and Molly, guess what GM's current price to sales ratio was, is on a trailing basis. I was just going to look that up. And no, no, then no, no, I, uh, it up. On a trailing I, I or forward trailing, I would say three. Three, three or four. Jason, Molly. Oh, yeah. Jason stole my answer. I was going to say three. Okay, it's a um, uh, 0.7. Oh, right. dear God. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's it's where probably GM that company's is. probably saddled with debt, right? Okay, but well, what's Ford? Let's look at Ford, which has right. actually had a super strong, like, series of EV <laughs> announcements. Yeah. I'm just going to become the, uh, the debt. Literally sold out of the, that new pickup. You know, Fight like faster. they're going to have to delay. Res- what is that new? The Raptor? Oh, gosh. It's, it's, it's worse. It's 0.64. Yeah. What? I mean, basically, people are looking at the, those companies have lots of debt. And a lot of the they they lose money on most cars, they make money on trucks, and they make money on their finance divisions. So one of the things that happens with these companies is they get so old that the way they 
kind of operate them is with this crazy debt structure and then this finance business. And I, I think that's part of the story here is that Tesla is a much cleaner cap table. Okay. Tesla yeah. doesn't not have a finance business, though. Thank you. Yeah. Right. But the, the, is, yeah, that, that is that finance? Offset. They will they have eventually. The whole carbon offset, the carbon credit sales business. So they that, will have a finance business, I'm sure. The, the, the carbon credit sales is, is declining in importance. In fact, that's right. one of the things I've been checking for a long time is the regulatory credit income as a percentage of overall automotive revenue. That, and the last it? quarter was super modest. Like the company yeah. is no longer cheating to, to appear, quote, profitable. It just is profitable. And yeah. uh, it's, you know, this wasn't the case four years ago and everyone was still shouting at me on Twitter like, ah, Elon's <laughs> going to do it. And I'm like, maybe, but not yet. And here we are at the yet point. And it worked Can out. Can you imagine you were part of Tesla Q? <laughs> like those crazy conspiracy theorists who were like, they're faking the deliveries and these cars are not, don't exist. And we're shorting the stock at a hundred dollars. Oh my Lord. Well, you don't hear people. from them because they all ran out of money and couldn't pay their Comcast bill. So, <laughs> whoops. Oops. Like, yep. Ouch. If you and also, pick a there was to bet some weirdness early on. Like, and we should give, frankly, we should give both credit and honesty to this. There was some weirdness, right? Like, be honest and say that Tesla was doing every goddamn trip in, trick in the book to stay in business. There was uh, a time. There were and, three and or that four near-death moments. Yes. Yeah. And and then there was a lot of cover up for that. Not cover up in the like criminal sense, right? But it was just like just keep running, just keep running until you get where you want to go. And it is yeah. fair to say both that Tesla has gotten where it wants to go and probably will only continue to do that and that for a while there like it was a little bit of how's it called? Uh, model Model 3 almost took the company down. Yeah. Yeah. That was a distinct moment in time where if they didn't hit that 5,000 production a week and you know, building the tent and stuff like that and just getting the, those the, the cars tent out. And the quality issues that came from that still stick out in my mind because folks bought yeah. those cars that had some issues. But yep. um most people don't have the guts. Oh, ugh, sorry, Molly. Uh, oh no, I have a no, no, no. I have a why now that I have quality issues with. Ah. Yeah. The pa the gap panels were an issue. Yeah. And then, you know, once in a while, like I mean, if you're going at that speed, yeah, you're gonna have some quality issues. But I think it's gotten a lot better. I see yeah, less yeah, and yeah. less of that. Because the people who do, you know, with social media, if people get a car that's not good, they're just like every day they tweet it every day that, you know, until their problem is solved. And you, you heard a lot of that with the gap panels. Yeah. You know, I've considered tweeting about it, but it does not seem worth the, frankly, the transaction cost of tweeting about a Tesla at this point is just yeah. too high for me. Yeah. Please send all your <laughs> tweets to at Molly Wood if you have comment for me. Um, <laughs> exactly. Thanks. I think I'll though, just keep talking to the company about it. I don't need it. On a, on a last note on this one, um, I'm just going to say that I'm not going to buy a Tesla. I think I'm going to buy an XC40 recharge from Volvo because it's I like mean, the perfect so mini beautiful. SUV. Yeah. I know. I, it's, what is it's that gorgeous. XC recharge? I will say uh, I'm going to give up my lease for the BMW. Huh. Ooh, really? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm a BMW girl all the way. The The infrastructure thing still is an issue. Like when it's your only car, the the ability to supercharge nearby wherever yeah, you are see. really cannot be overstated. So like, I'm just waiting for, you know, the results of the infrastructure bill, some of that EV charging to you really have built. no choice but to go with the Tesla now. You do but, not want to get. Yeah. When I was you, shopping, uh, I was like, range infrastructure are you going no to go on road trips alex are you road trippers you like to go to new york you like to go to the cape i mean do i like to go to new york no because new york's full of people and people right. are icky um yeah. i, I mean enough. gosh i've been inside for two years guys I, I don't even know what i like to do anymore i feel like my entire personality has changed <laughs> it's honest. i know totally i know uh, it's so, over for me i'm just skiing every day 
If you listen to This Week in Startups often, you've heard me talk about Odoo Suite of business apps a lot. Well, they are going to give you your first app free forever and $1,000 off your first implementation pack at odoo.com slash twist. Here is why Odoo is great for startups. Their suite of business apps helps run your entire company on one platform, and they'll streamline workflows by bringing all your information together. This eliminates annoying repetitive tasks like entering data across multiple platforms. Plus, if you only need two or three apps to optimize your workflow, that's all you're going to pay for. Odoo won't charge you for apps you don't use. Odoo offers over 30 main apps and over 16,000 apps from their open source community. Their apps include bookkeeping, sales, CRM, website builders, and more. So again, your first app is free forever. But Odoo is also offering you a $1,000 credit on your first implementation pack, which you can get at odoo.com slash twist. That's O-D-O-O.com slash twist to get that $1,000 right now. If you get a car and you want a road trip, yeah. and you're going to have a baby hopefully soon, it'd be great. You're going to want a road trip. You're going to just want to get a Tesla because once you start use it once you start having to stop to charge like a slow charger like back in the day when you were getting 150 miles an hour and you needed to charge the full 150 yeah and there was you know not as many charges available it was it became like you know i'm talking maybe seven to ten years ago yeah. you really had to think things through now with the tesla you get in your tesla and you have no anxiety you're yeah. just like i'll drive in any direction until I hit the Atlantic Pacific or the Mexican border or Canada, and I'm good. Yeah. There so, is no, no but doubt. If you're, that you'll be fine. But if you're a local driver, if it's your second car, for example, like yes. I think second cars, you can get no any problem. EV you want and not have to stress about range. And, but if yeah. it's going to be your only car, that supercharger network is like, it's killer. So I, I didn't come on the show today to actually talk about the stock market. I came on the show to record a long segment convincing my spouse to not make us buy a Volvo XC40 recharge. So now thanks to this, yes. I can get a Tesla. Thank you guys. I'm going to send her no, this. No, I mean, that Volvo is so pretty though. It's so It gorgeous. is. I'm looking at it now. I it's actually, a, usually they make them so ugly. Like I think they seriously made the Bolt and the Volt and all those cars ugly because they didn't want them to be popular. They just wanted the i3, <laughs> the BMW i3. They were like, oh, let's just God. sell like a, let's just sell them. All. We, well, they knew they couldn't. They knew they couldn't sell them profitably, mm -hmm. so they didn't make them mainstream. They made them, they knew they were losing money on them. They had to do it for the, what was it, the cafe standards or whatever to yeah. kind of hit the number they needed to hit. So I think they purposely were just like, yeah, do something wacky. Who cares? But now you're seeing people who are making them indistinguishable from their existing product lines or better. Yeah. That is a major turning point. That means they see this as the future. My counter argument yep. to that is, do you remember the first Prius? It came out looking like, like, a, like a small pinched bug. And that became a consumer hit. You know, they, they managed to make it less ugly over yeah. time. True. And that was, all about, that was, that was all about economics. Signal. It was all yeah. about price. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was an inexpensive car that got, not, you know, killer gas mileage. And people were like, okay, yeah, that's a win-win. I don't, and, and if I'm being completely honest, and now I will get yelled at even more, it was for people who don't care that much about driving. Like, not like car people. No, yes. it drove like a milk carton. It was not fun to drive. The gear shift was a little knob on the, on the, it was in the wrong was in the wrong yeah. spot like i mean so we drive a, a volvo sedan four-cylinder manual because we're super cheap because you're so cool <laughs> no because we're just cheap um but eventually we're going to swap it out so i appreciate this uh this particular dialogue my favorite I, back in the day and i almost considered again this when i moved to la um, i wound up getting the um what did i get the mini cooper like the second year of the mini cooper and love that car but i almost got the honda insight because i saw all these people online on message boards had the original Honda Insight hybrid from like 
I don't know, maybe 2000 to 2010 era, they were getting some of them like 60, 70, 80 miles to the gallon because they learned how to drive it perfectly or behind a big SUV. They looked super weird, but they were like having these competitions to see how much gas they could save. And then gas became $2 a gallon again. And people didn't care anymore about gas mileage. Um, It's interesting. None of these hypermiling. Hypermiling, yeah, that sounds like it. Yeah, if not, it's a great term. Um, I think that's what it's called when you're trying to get every single possible miles per gallon out of a car, which to me just sounds like torture, like hard pass. I'd rather just work more and make more money and afford fuel than do. Yeah, that. I mean, I I do honestly, I find it kind of annoying that the Tesla's always like, um, your battery life will be way better if you go slower. I'm like, but I don't want you're not made to go slow. Go slow. Why? Why would I have to go slow? All right, let's, should we stop car talk on. and move on to IPO yeah. talk? <laughs> yeah, well, this I like car talk. Car talk, <laughs> me too. Uh, all right, you wrote a great story, Alex. The IPO window uh, is it closing or not? And people forget because we've been in IPO frenzy land since I guess Uber and Airbnb went out. I think those were the two big ones everybody was waiting for. And now everybody in the founder community is like, yeah, of course you can go public anytime you want not realizing that we have IPO windows that are shut. What, maybe explain to the the youngins in the startup community about the concept of IPO windows and then wh- what your premise of this piece was. Critically, Jason just didn't include me in the youngin category, which is evidence that my hairline receding is accelerating yes. as I age into my 30s. <laughs> I mean, you are yes. talking about buying a Volvo, so. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Doing I, IVF, I, getting a Volvo. Yeah. All right. Fair, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, fair I, enough. Guilty as charged. It's this is uh, this is middle age. It's been great so far. Um, <laughs> it's an IPO. It's fine here. Yeah, no, the, the water is great. Um, Welcome. An IPO window. Jason's question is a period of time in which you can take a company public, and there are exceptions to this. People will say that you can always take a good company public, and that's true. But most people care about when is a time period in which many companies can take their company public at a reasonable price and not get absolutely hammered by public investors. And essentially, it's a moment in which you can translate a business from the private to the public markets with minimal intrigue and bullshit. And these come and go based on market conditions. Usually when the market is more risk on, the IPO window is open. And when the market is more risk off, the IPO window is closed. So if the value of software stocks is at an all-time high, the IPO window is open last November. If the value of software stocks takes a huge dive, now the IPO window closes. And so we have noticed through the JustWorks IPO and the WeTransfer IPO both being delayed, kind of put off, that the moment for taking companies public was actually last year and uh, wrapped up around Christmas time. Wow, that's very definitive. Okay, so when you say wrapped up, what does that mean? Like, let's spin that out a little bit. You're a hot company, you're maybe a medium hot company, you're, yeah. you were considering a SPAC merger. What is this like, you know, lay out the ripples in the pond here for us? Yeah. So a lot of SPAC deals are being called off um, because essentially companies were announcing a SPAC deal, you know, back in you know June 2021, getting a lot of hype. And by the time the deal came together, uh, no one wanted the combined entity. A lot of redemptions on the cash that was going to go into the new business. And then they begin to trade and they drop like a rock. Very few SPAC combinations of tech companies have performed well. And frankly, it's been pretty embarrassing for a lot of folks who were promoting these um, in the media, in the investing community. It's it's kind of kind of dicey. On the traditional IPO side, um, if you're a medium hot unicorn, say let's say you're worth one and a half billion dollars, you've done pretty pretty well. You probably got a lot of built in hype from your private investors who expected you to keep doing well. But if you're only kind of medium hot, you may struggle to match that same price when you do go public if the IPO window isn't wide open. 
So currently, because companies don't want to see their valuation decline in an IPO, which is messy for a bunch of reasons, they're just going to hold off and not go public. And, you know, at some point, uh, we're going to have to get some of these unicorns out. There's nearly a thousand now in the private markets. And uh, with the closed IPO window, that's only going to keep going up. And I'm really worried about uh, a unicorn indigestion, to pick a horrible yep. metaphor there. It is uh, exactly accurate. Um, if you look at what happened, uh, you know, so just to give you like from the insider view, um, it is, uh, the case that you'll have a private company. Somebody really wants to own shares in it. There's competition. So, you know, you have a bunch of competitors who want to make that last, let's call it the Yuri Milner, the Kleiner Perkins, the SoftBank final bet before public. In other words, a large amount of money that you're pretty sure is going to double or go up 50% in the next two years, like uh, Yuri Milner famously did by overpaying for Facebook and Twitter, Kleiner overpaid for Twitter. It's kind of like a classic late stage bet. Now, a bunch of people get in on that and you got other people and you got 10 people doing the same thing, prices go up. So now maybe you're going to get 20% pop. You overpaid for the company, the IPO window is not great, the fundamentals of the business are not great, you go out by a SPAC, it doesn't perform. And now what was a $4 billion company in the private market shoots up to 10 billion in the public before crashing down to two. And you look at that as a private market investor like myself, I'm just like, why did we take this out? Why didn't we just quietly build without the distraction? I would have much rather certain companies that went out by these IPOs didn't. I don't need the liquidity. And, you know, desktop metals, perfect example. We had a small bet on that company. It went way up way down. If you look at their stock price, I would have been totally fine with them not going public. And then the public markets don't understand how to be patient. The people buying SPACs were day traders. SPACs are earlier inventory. They're companies that are more nascent. So you have to have a venture or private market investor mindset, or at least a public market mindset with a long-term angle. And what did we get? We got day traders on it, the worst possible situation of who should not be trading a stock that is trying to figure out how to scale their revenue and what their exact product market fit is, which I said over and over again, like you really as a private public market investor want to be investing in Nikola, Rivian, you know, whatever company, Virgin Galactic, like, do you actually have the appetite to wait five or 10 years and then look at the stock price? You don't. That's the challenge here. If you are an accredited investor, you need to know about special purpose vehicles. Well, it's an investment vehicle that allows up to 250 investors to invest up to $10 million in one entity on a founder or startups cap table. And you could start your own syndicate and you can power it with an SPV. That's the magic of it. And here at launch, we love working with the team at Assure. That's spelled A-S-S-U-R-E. They power my syndicate, thesyndicate.com, which is the largest angel syndicate in the world with well over 9,000 members. And we've had thousands of them do a deal with us. Assure is the leading provider of SPVs and fund administration with over 2.5 billion of AUA, assets under administration, and over 5,000 completed transactions. Let that sink in. They've got over 5,000 they've done. They've developed an innovative software platform called Glassboard that automates the entire investment experience from the entity formation all the way, hopefully, to an IPO. Ashley and Heidi on my team love Glassboard. They love working with Assure. So not only do investors love it, but founders love it as well because it keeps their cap table clean. No messy party rounds. Use an SPV. 
They also manage the entire process over the entire life of the investment for you. So if your startup takes five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years to be realized, they're going to be with you that whole time. And they've been with me for years, my whole career, in fact, as an investor. So to get 20% off your first special purpose vehicle, visit assure.co slash twist, A-S-S-U-R-E dot C-O slash twist. That's assure.co slash twist to get 20% off your first SPV and tell them your Uncle Jason sent you. But so then why was there such a push? I mean, like you, uh, it, you're saying you don't need the liquidity. You might not. <laughs> there may be other people in different positions, but also it, it does feel like nevertheless, there was a big push to put out. I, 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 I have my uh, own there, but I want you to, I want to hear you two guess. I, I know the answer, but I want to hear you two guess. Uh, Molly, I think you asked the question, so I think you should answer it first. What? That's ridiculous. Why do you That's think everybody? All. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll they, find, I mean, find, they just hasten to make money, right? It was a hot market. There's a ton of money in the market. Why wouldn't you? Because there's a lot of like day traders and retail investors and, you know, people making bad decisions. So like when there's blood in the streets by property, it, the corollary of that is like if somebody's throwing money out the window, go toward the window. Yeah, get a bag and collect it all. And I think that's exactly right. what happened. We saw the value for software revenues in particular scale dramatically in the back half of 2020 as the market realized that everyone wasn't going to stop buying software. And so startups and other tech companies were in a great position to essentially grow quickly while their costs went down. You didn't need an office anymore. You could hire wherever you want. And so these companies really became not only a safe bet because, you know, they weren't like a consumer cyclical that was going to fall out of style. Um, you know, the people just kept putting money into them. It made startups look more valuable. It made public companies look more valuable. So why wouldn't you take your company out then? It was essentially a free pass to getting a great IPO pricing and therefore an enormous fundraise, a lot of hype. I mean, going public isn't just the bad stuff that Jason's talking about, you know, the day traders and the haters and so forth. I mean, you know, Tesla's public and that worked out great as a fundraising yeah. mechanism for the company. It was enormously right. important. So, you know, to me, timing, money, liquidity, Many things came together. Uh, it's just now kind of behind us, if you will. You, yeah, you guys got it perfectly. Um, we, if you remember just two years ago, Dave Portnoy was trading stocks and his rallying cry was stonks go up. Yeah. Stonks right. only go up. And if you literally are in a world where everybody's saying stonks go up, then why wouldn't you go public? Because stonks yeah. go up. It was just no realization that they could actually go down. And what would it be like to be trading at, if your SPAC was at 10, what what would your stomach be like at three? What would, you know, if Robinhood was trading in the private markets at $30 a share before it went public, and now it's trading at 12, how can people stomach that? You know, like I'm sitting here, I could have sold my Robinhood shares in the public, in the private market for probably 20 to $30. I'm sitting here with the $12 stock. I distribute them to my LPs and I tell them, listen, I'm holding. I'm in it for the long term, <laughs> but you have to make your own decision. And I am in it for the long term. So this is like very complicated stuff. Um, and people uh, just got thing, a little greedy, you know? Yeah. Well, one more thing to throw in though is how quickly this happened. So in December, we saw Reddit and Via both file privately. JustWorks was going to go out. It pulled this IPO only for nothing cents from anyone else. So this went from kind of hero to zero pretty quickly. And essentially it was what, 45 days of software stocks shedding value on the public markets that ended this. And so that means the liquidity cycle for 2022, I keep forgetting what year it is, amazingly enough, <laughs> um, for this year, it looks kind of crappy. And I, I'm worried about yeah. VCs who do need the liquidity, Jason, whose funds are closing and whose LPs are tired of paper returns and want some paper, if you will. We are going to, uh, 
this is a, te- a nice place to tease ahead to Sunday, to VC Sunday School, where we're going to talk a little bit about what this does mean for this industry. Um, but we want to run through because there is a nice little list here that our producers have compiled of the most anticipated IPOs mm. for 2022. The noties are already asking, what does this mean for some of these IPOs? And so let's run through this with Alex. Uh, let's start with Stripe. What do you think? I mean, Hotly it's, anticipated. Yeah. I mean, that, that's exactly right. Stripe is, you, you talk to VCs about Stripe who don't have money in it. They talk about it like the one that got away back in college. Like mm-hmm. they are wistful at the success of this company. So to me, everyone knows that it's hot. Everyone knows that it's huge. Everyone knows that it's doing well. I just want to know if that's actually true. And so mm-hmm. this IPO filing is the one that's going to really, I think, deobfuscate the business. And Stripe yeah. has been very aggressive in certain ways to control its market positioning, you could say. In a mafia way? I'm, I was trying to elide <laughs> the entire world fiasco. Day three of the mafia <laughs> no, fiasco. I'm thinking about Phoenix and Sequoia and that particular saga in which they kind of bullied one of the most legendary investors in the history of technology into giving up $21 million. Um, cool. Well done, Stripe. But now I want to see the proof. And I feel like it's been... It's been in the wings for so long, Jason and Molly. They're like, it's about time. It's a huge yeah. company. They have been, it's not even a startup at all. It's not even a unicorn. It's just a huge business. So, yeah. And just to look at it, if they're at 7.4 billion in 2020, that was the number in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, let's say they either went up 40% year over year, be a high growth company, but who knows? Maybe we saw, you know, other companies have grown faster, you know, and they hit 10 billion to get to the $231 billion market cap record of Alibaba. Uh, they'd have to be at 24 times their valuation, you know, sales to their valuation, which is pretty rich as we've seen. Well, it, it, that would have been rich for a payments company last year, actually. Yeah. Um, I think it's much harder this year. A question about this, going back to my favorite topics I'm boring, is gross margins and how high quality this revenue is. Because $7.4 billion at 40% uh, is not nearly as good as $7.4 billion at 75%. And no one's yeah. given me hard numbers on their revenue quality. So I, I, I'm curious. Um, and it's not a cheap business to run. They've hired a lot all of the smart people they can get their hands on, which mm-hmm. is expensive. So, all right, so let's, let's pull a number out of there. It's 30% margin and they're making 10 billion. They got $3 billion in earnings, $3 billion in earnings times 50 price earning would be 150 whoa, whoa, billion. Whoa, 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 whoa. 30% gross margin. Sorry. 30% gross margins would be 3 billion in gross profit after which we would yeah. deduct operating costs. So like, sure. If it's 30%, they're, they're, they're f- right. Okay, so let's. What, what would you guess their like, earnings are when it comes to beating Alibaba? Oh, the latter. They're fine. Yeah. Um, okay, got it. I, I want at least fifty. Yeah, like thirty percent margin doesn't sound to me. Like I'm new here, but that seems fine. <laughs> well, if you want a twenty four x sales ratio, that's yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That, that, I mean, that, should we just cool. assume though that at this point, beating that record is like it's not the year for it? Like, sorry, yeah, Mr. No. Chance, things yeah. turn I'm around. Jason, I mean. Think about March 2020, how everything, everyone was, everyone decided in March 2020 that the stock market was over, the economy was done, venture capital was going to shut up shop for five years. How long did that last? (laughs) Three weeks. (laughs) Yeah, it was about three weeks. I think this time's different. I think this time is a fundamental repricing of assets that got out of control. And I think it's like a crash for some people, a correction for others, and then neutral for, you know, people with strong, predictable revenue. You you agree? so. Or index funds, like I have. So yeah, yeah. I'm just going to keep on buying through the, the downturn here. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, index funds are going to be least impacted, and you can just keep, you know, it's it's not about timing the market in that case, it's about time in market. 
Um, I put their value. I'm going to take about, I'm going to set an over under 135 billion uh, after one week of trading. So we'll take out a little spikiness. So Mm -hmm. on the five days, you know, whatever day they go public, the next week, you know, that day, $135 billion market cap at the close of business on the sixth day of trading. Uh, What do you got over or under Alex? Over. Okay, Molly. I keep that. I mean, I, that long pauses me thinking about what Alex is saying, which is like, what's it going to look like when we really get a look behind the curtain? But yeah. like, look, the, the scuttlebutt around the value is that they just print money. So I got to go over. I don't okay. think so we're it's not going to be a we work situation. I should have set the line at 170. Then you guys would have had to work. Oh, that would have been a tough be one. Yeah. That would have been, yes, I might have taken the under on I that. Set a, bad line. Being set a bad line. I just thought if they're making 10, 13.5 times price to sales ratio, yeah. after a week in a, in a choppy market but who knows things could be better all right discord's the next one mm-hmm. and you also have reddit in this but discord and reddit are really enigmas uh as well to, to try to understand we did see microsoft wanted to buy discord for like 10 billion was the rumor maybe 15 billion who knows and their last private market valuation was 15 billion in yeah. september 2021 revenue in 2020 of 130 million so tiny revenue but a lot of users, so kind of like a Facebook story in the early days and Twitter story in the early days. And in fact, Google story in the early days, low, high users, low revenue. What do you, what's your take on this company, Alex? Uh, I'm pretty bullish Discord. on Discord in general. I don't know exactly how I would stock up its current valuation to its current revenue. But I will say as a, as a regular Discord user, I'm amazed they haven't taken money from me yet. And frankly, I presume they will. And I presume there's a lot of folks out there like me who like to play video games, have friends, bring them together. And that demographic has money because we're buying stuff. And so to me, I can't believe they haven't said, Alex, come on, come on, five bucks a month for high quality audio. Come on. And I'll, I would just say yes instantly. I spend hours on Discord. It's amazing. And Discord has really become the messaging platform of choice for a lot of young people, a lot of Gen Z's who are not necessarily even using it for games. Like maybe they got introduced via games, but now they're using it to talk about homework. I mean, that is really happening. And so you, they have built a pipeline, you know, for the same reason that like Apple used to be in schools and Google and Microsoft now are, they've built this pipeline of future paying customers that is super loyal and has an entire friend base and community existing there. Like, I do think that there's it has a lot of value and growth potential as a product. I just wonder if it is in the category of a, what did I call a medium hot unicorn? Like in terms of uh, it would Discord risk an IPO this year. Yeah, it's nay. massively under monetized. So mm-hmm. lots of users, not a lot of revenue. Uh, if you got 150 million <laughs> monthly active users, but you're only making $150 million a year. Exactly. What's going on here? Like, 10 cents a year. I mean, what's going yeah, 10 cents a, per yeah. user per month is insane for the amount of quality what, they're providing. Here? You know, Facebook's and, and, making, you know, in the US, what, $75 a year per user? I mean, it's, it's massively monetized. Yeah. So yeah. that means a lot of upside. If the team can think of a, a business model, and a lot of people are using it as their go to for like group chats, like, you know, as opposed to Signal or Facebook Messenger or whatever. So. I wonder if it's more like Twitter in that they'll never be able to figure out the monetization or more like oh, Facebook and Twitter's doing will. fine. Twitter's doing I mean, fine. I'm Twitter's paying every okay. month now. I'm on Twitter. Well, blue. Honestly, I'm on that $3 blue. I don't necessarily like, uh, I don't want to encourage this because discord has a lot of data and it would just mm-hmm. be like, and it could get ugly in a hurry, but like 
Discord does not have ads, right? Uh, so it we, has we this kill super, it on ads. I mean, we Discord could literally it. turn on ads tomorrow. Kill it. And kind of kill it. Yeah. Can but, you imagine like the next Netflix or Disney movie or Book of Boba Fett advertising on Discord? I mean, it would kill it. Or like your new computer, you know, peripherals, Apple ads. It would kill yeah. it. That's the second like mention of this. I'm sorry. What what the hell is Book of Boba Fett? Jason keeps it's dropping Boba this Fett, like a, okay. Okay. Boba Fett was like a what? super wait, wait, yeah, fans. No, how far? How basic in do we have Star to go? Wars, do you know who Boba, Boba Fett, Fett is? had like three yes. lines in the whole original trilogy. Yes. Boba Fett then became a nerd geek out, you know, enigma. Okay. And then they decided to do massive fan service and build out the concept of the Mandalorians, which is the armor he right. wears, and build out his character arc. And so there's a new series after the Mandalorian, John Favreau is now building the world of Boba Fett post being a bounty hunter. And it's awesome. Is the so Mandalorian anyway, over? Origin story. The no, Mandalorian, the Mandalorian no, season continues. two is coming. Mandalorian's a religion based on weapons and, and armor. Boba Fett is a, Boba Fett is a bounty hunter who had acquired Mandalorian armor. Okay. You know, there's so an he's like an enigma of... and yes. Oh, there were, they're world building big time. Big time. Literally yeah. based on this like throwaway character who, who got built out in the clone wars. Yeah, man. Now it's like we go from car talk to Star Wars nerdery. Like, yeah, this. No, I, I just want to say that there's worlds of science fiction out there that isn't trash. They're trying to recycle to make money from Disney. So if you want to read something better, just hit me up for some book recs. Absolutely. Well, what's your best? What's your best sci-fi book of the last five years? Um, Most a memory called Empire. Oh, my God. Mem that's what I was going to say. You stinker. I was like memory waiting for it to come around to me. So Empire. I could be like, I don't I'm not even aware Empire. of this. And a desolation called, called peace. peace. Yeah, those are fantastic. Or the salvation sequence is tremendous. Um, Ada, Ada's uh, Terra Incognita's. Uh, this is all by an author named Arcady Martin. Martin. Yeah, she's Martin. a wizard. She's amazing. Oh, really, a wizard. These books are beautiful. They're like fascinating. I mean, where would you they, put they them? Are, are they Dune, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings? Where do where do they sit in the? It's in more Dune-ish than Star Wars for sure. It, it involves it. a lot of discussion of culture in a oh. in a future context and also uh, the definition of civilization as it will evolve into the space age right because Ooh. you have a you have an empire that is colonizing planets and absorbing Ooh. them which is a kind of a classic you know classic thing in sci-fi and but the these stories are told from the perspective of essentially an immigrant into that empire who's like in love with the empire and the oh. culture that they've built but also trying to maintain her own. I mean, it is, they are just so great. Good. Yeah. I, oh, wow. I'm, I'm so in. great. I, I, I can't I, believe I wanna... we recommended the same one. I'm so excited. I feel like nobody else knew about these books. Feels like we got like... a, feels like we got a This Week in Star Wars book club uh, and, and then we can get the author on too. All right. So we did Discord. We did Stripe. Yes. Let's do Reddit because this is crazy. Uh, Reddit. Talk about last... patient capital up yeah. in here. <laughs> well, I mean, it was bought by Condé Nast for like a case of like peanut butter and, uh, you know, like a, a couple of old VHS tapes of the Hobbit animated movie. <laughs> and then they spun it out and then it became a juggernaut. Revenues over 350 million from advertising, according to the information in 2021. It's one of the largest sites in the world. 430 monthly active users. Again, massively under monetized at that rate. 430 million monthly active users, again, according to the information. So the price to sales at 15 billion would be something like 42x. And its business model is ads, 
which ads is a tough business model. I can't believe they don't have like a, a better subscription revenue. But what, what do you think broad strokes about Reddit? Yeah, I, I'm bullish on this one. I just looked up my Reddit account. I've been on since June of 2008. And mm. uh, actually, I was a user before, but didn't sign up. So I've been on Reddit really since it was like the lesser dig. If you go back in time yeah, far enough. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And what's amazing to me about Reddit is how much I still freaking love it. Now, to be clear, that's because I found communities that I'm a part of. Like there's a, there's a progressive metal community on Reddit. That's fantastic. There's a, a stop drinking community that I've been on for years. And so to me, it has, it has managed to find a way to scale micro communities in a way that is inherently sticky. And they have been tinkering with different ways to make money off it. Advertisements, uh, Reddit gold. I gave them money when that first launched. Uh, now they've got other little coins you can give out. They're going to figure it out. I, I'm just, uh, they have found a way to keep us. And that, that to any me is their magic. crossover between uh, the sober metalheads. Is there any opportunity there? With those two the Venn diagrams, sober to go to a metal show small. and not drink. <laughs> it's the it's the latter day straight edge. Remember that movie? Oh, oh guys, you're killing me. Sorry, I Sorry. am the only guy at the metal show who can actually see more than four feet. But I will say that it's <laughs> it's okay because I remember shows now. Like I, the last time I saw Slayer is just a blur. Molly, um, you are you down with the Reddit or are, you know is it just too like toxic it masculinity? And I'll say it again. Reddit is the only news source I trust these days. <laughs> you love it. Okay, I love Reddit. No, I like. I sincerely love Reddit. I think that Reddit has figured out so much of this like BS that's happening everywhere else. This whole conversation about like what moderation should look like. And yes, Reddit did step in and introduce more moderation than it had. But what it has is communities who moderate each other. And I think that that is that is the magic phenomenal. And that's why Reddit and Wikipedia are literally my go to. Yes. Are there errors? Sure. Are there mistakes? Absolutely. Is there virality that can like yeah. make things go awry? Absolutely. But for the most part, the community moderation on both of those sites makes them to me fundamentally trustworthy. Yeah. And you're seeming to agree, Alex. Yeah. yeah. Reddit is like public discord and discord's like private Reddit, if you yeah. will. So to me, hold they, on a second. Say that again. Reddit is like public discord and discord's like private Reddit. And essentially ah, what they've done I is understand. they've found a way to scale community in two different ways. But um, we used to joke that content is king and that's still partially true. But I, I think community is king is a much more trendy thing to say. And if you want to think about who's actually built communities at scale and maintain them, well, there's the, those two companies right there. And they, they're great at it. So I now, don't know exactly you make 15 money on billion. Community has been the ongoing question of the internet, right? Yes. Like, and unfortunately, the only one who's figured it out is Facebook so far. So <laughs> I think there is an open... I think I am less bullish on Discord and Reddit as long-term business plays. I think like Discord... Microsoft probably should have bought it. Reddit, mm -hmm. I don't know what happens if it goes public because it is hard to, because it's one, there's, there's the perception of toxicity. That is right. Bad stuff exists like in humanity. They seem to have gotten a control of that though, right? Like they got rid of some of the more extreme groups when Alan Powell was there. Oh, sure. But like perception drives markets. Okay. And so the question is like, do everyday investors want to be in this? Do pension funds want to be invested in Reddit if Reddit IPOs? And I think that's still kind of probably probably a no. Probably. A no. I think what Reddit represents is all of those people who buy stonks who believe in it are now going to get to vote with their dollars to buy one to 10 shares of Reddit and then put that on their profile and then say they're a Reddit shareholder and you got 430 million users there. It could become the most diverse share base of any company. And I think Tesla and Apple are probably 
in that group of, you know, they just have a lot of fanboys, fangirls, fans of their products. Can you imagine if 10% of Reddit users or 5% decided we should own the stock to support the company? I mean, it could become like an AMC type situation for that reason. Of the first three companies, I think it's got the most upside, not because of fundamentals, but because Maybe of should... the crazy fan base. Maybe Reddit should ICO. Oh, bring oh, yeah. back the ICO. The coin opera. Yeah, no, it would be worth 10 trillion. It would literally be the number three traded cryptocurrency. You have to, I mean, be. think about it. What if Wikipedia went public? What would it be worth? Yeah, Reddit, make a token. Trillion dollar company, maybe. Make a token, bro. No, token. don't don't listen to Molly. <laughs> Molly, put $5 in the bad <laughs> idea, Joe. everything. Don't bring <laughs> ICOs back. My, I can't take it. That was Just oh, one. So one ICO, a true unicorn in the oldest sense of the word. Jason, no, Alex was trying think? to do, I remember this. Alex was like, I like to look at the fundamentals. I like to know the numbers. Hey, show me these geeking out to the earnings, the quality of the revenue. And then they're like, hey, um, Somebody attack Crunch or Crunch Base is like, hey, Alex, can you tell us, do the same thing for this? And he's like, this is a white paper with seven spelling errors per page. And there's no product. There's no employees. You can't do any fundamental analysis on a poorly written novella. Yeah, you can't this even do textual analysis. It, it was brutal. I will say, though, the ICO boom was hilarious. Sure. Like super entertaining. Super entertaining. So Jason, real talk, no BS, no hedging. Did you put any of your own money into ICOs in the 2017 ICO boom? 0.0 dollars. Hey, there you go. 0.0 dollars. I knew a scam when I see it. And I just said, you know, show me every time I, I met with at least 25 for investment because I was wow. like, all right, listen, if this is getting this popular, I have, a, I have to do my diligence here. I said, okay, can you show me the product? And they're like, yeah, yeah, no, here's a white paper. I was like, oh, yeah, that's the white paper. Where's the product? <laughs> they're like, oh, no, we're going to raise a hundred, you know, Tezos. Oh, we're going to raise a hundred million and then we'll build the product. And I had them on the podcast. I was like, this is crazy. It's like, we're giving everybody the IPO reward for writing a poor version of a potential prospectus. So that was the framework that I, it just clicked in my head immediately. I was like, I saw this during the dot-com era. There was a company, there were company, there was one company that went public based on a plan to build 20 internet companies. I forgot the name of it. It will come to me. And then there were companies like Internet Capital Group or something like that and Vertical Net, and they became worth all this money because they were going to build a website in every category. And people just were like, okay, well, that makes sense. So it's going to be like 100 IPOs in one. Here's $100 million. And when you give people the reward before they do the work, bad shit happens. Whether it's an NBA player who gets some huge contract, like, you know, Zion Williamson is like, you know, getting huge contracts uh, and, you know, endorsement deals, but he hasn't done anything in the NBA yet. That's a really bad thing because then the person gets fat and doesn't work hard and has no work ethic. That's what happened in ICOs. People got fat, no work ethic. If, if you're no a games played. New Orleans Pelicans fan and you don't agree Sorry. with Jason's uh, analysis there <laughs> of, of NBA player weight movements. Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't think you're you're wrong in in the large part. I mean, think back to the '90s. People would raise money to go really raise money and buy servers, and it was a really risky proposition. We've yeah. de-risked a lot of startup building because you can now, with forty eight dollars in an Amazon account, build something, test it out, get some data. That's the magic of today's startup market. You can yeah. do so much more with so much less before you need to raise money. Um, the ICO boom was the inversion of that uh, mixed with cocaine, and it was mm. hilarious. I miss it's it. Pretty entertaining. I'm just saying, except for the part where everybody tidy lost their it money. Up, tidy it up. Attach some fundamentals to it. Yeah. Reddit. Or or have a fundamental. One. You know, just one. Like you know, have a fundamental. Sorry for kill. being boring. Look, yeah. my job is to be a buzzkill, Molly. Like that's 
You I recently it. had I, that job. I mean, it Still is do. kind of fun to just basically yeah. be like, hi, I'm wildly irresponsible now. Uh, you know, there's, there is but a I'm balance saying, between these two. Like specs, we, If we have a world where we have specs, a world where we have NFTs, and a world where you have Reddit, and Reddit is literally the meeting point for all of those, then why would we ever expect Reddit to do a traditional IPO? Yeah. yeah. But yet they are. Do something and, cool. You're Reddit. No, 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 no. no. Do Reddit, do the IPO. You've got 350 million in revenue. That's real money. You got 400 million people using the product. That's a real user base. Like, just continue on. Um, but, you know, in fairness, like Molly, we just had a discussion about a company and you were enthusiastic. And I said, let's make, let's think about doing the investment when they have one customer we can talk to. Yep. Just one. Yep. Because that is like this incredible chasm to cross. Forget about zero to one, like in the Peter Thiel sense. I like zero to one in the customer sense like a paying customer. Mm -hmm. The amount of work it takes to get one person to take a credit card out is phenomenal. Yeah. The second and third is like 1% of the work. Once you get one person to pay for superhuman or slack, the second and third are like, Oh, well, <laughs> I've already proven somebody will pay for it. I, I still recall the one time I did that. Um, I, I built a little teeny company, but I was uh, between high school and college with some friends and uh, we launched it. TechCrunch covered it ironically. And I recall the first time people gave us some money. I was like, Oh, we did a thing. And I, yeah. I still remember that moment. It was, yeah. it was awesome. It's like putting your first dollar on the wall. And then you start to get that customer feedback that right. changes how you operate. Yeah, yes. no, a hundred percent. That's why you Jason get actually actionable feedback, like skin in the game. Feedback is yeah. so much different than, you know, your cousins, fraternity brothers feedback on some free software. And they're like, this is incredible. It's going to change the world. It's like, okay, give me 10 bucks a month. And they're like, yeah, no. Should we okay. do, we've got a bunch of other, yeah, I mean, the it. IPO slate is full. Should we do like a lightning round? Like lightning yes, round, no yes. IPO? Yes, no IPO. Sure. Huh? All right. Yes, no IPO, impossible foods. No. Beyond Meat is losing money. Impossible foods has to be losing money. Not the right time for them to go public. Also okay. commodity business, overplayed market category. Everyone's going to pile into it. Like if, if they had pulled off a Tesla, invented the category and also scaled the, and owned most of the market share, I might have more faith, but I mean, it's, it's, it's soy in a little package. It's not hard to redo. So not defensible. No. All right. So that's a solid no. Yes. No IPO Instacart pandemic. Darling saved a lot of people's bacon pandemic saved their bacon. It's got to go public. Um, it's going to be a mess. Yeah. I say no on this one. I know it has to go public because it's worth so much money and so much has been plowed into it, but Instacart versus Amazon, GoPuff, uh, DoorDash, Uber Eats, and Whole Foods owned by Amazon. It's like, I don't think they own, I don't think there's any real value here to the company. Like, what is their actual value? They just have relationships with stores? And relationships with customers. And so what they're trying to do yes. lately is move into um, kind of like the, the Blue Apron space, which to um, me... The worst possible business you could be in? It's not Isn't great. It? Oh, yeah. Um, does that make them okay? Well, then corollary, since our lightning round is slowing down, acquisition target? Oh, no. Who can afford that? No. Cost more money yeah. than the Eiffel f***ing tower. <laughs> when it collapses down to five to 10 billion, yes, acquisition target, yeah. like Uber. Peloton. Oh, there we yeah. go. Like, right. Like, yeah. oh, no, no, I'm saying Peloton crashed. Yeah, no, now I, you can, I got you. You can yeah, talk yeah, yeah. about that. Uber could, you know, just like uh, DoorDash. Uh, DoorDash bought. What was the European company? No, oh, they bought, just eat, just, just eat, and then uh, Uber bought Postmates. Both of those were, you know, whatever. When you're number three, four, five, six, seven, your your acquisition bait when the valuation comes to reality. 
That's yes, what's no, here. yes, no IPO, go puff. Quick commerce, 15 minute deliveries of snacks, household goods, et cetera. We have an interview coming up with GoPuff. Okay. So w- when you get to that, ask them about their, their overall economics because I love it as a consumer. So I hope it's a great business. So I'm going to go, yes, IPO, because I want them to keep bringing me Advil and orange juice when I'm sick. It's just amazing. It's so fast. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to say yes, because I think that they know how to pick categories that are profitable and markets that are profitable based on our interview that Molly and I did with the founder. I think they have discipline and they understand that they need to be convenience store margins, not grocery store margins, which is the opposite of Instacart. So it's the anti-Instacart. I don't think they want to try to make money off of your cereal and bananas. I think they want to make money off your vodka and Advil. And vodka and Advil are small, high margin, and you're going to pay for them when you want them, unlike oranges. Like you'll pay out the nose for vodka if you run out. Yeah. Vodka and Advil. Breakfast of champions. And finally, <laughs> yes, no IPO chime. Uh, just for Hunter Walk, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> okay, I, but I what do you really Hunter. think? <laughs> I, so they told me that they were EBITDA positive like in 2020. And I was like, okay, guys, real talk. Adjusted EBITDA or like big kid EBITDA? And they're like big kid EBITDA. So theoretically, oh. they have a history of material profitability. So Chime, if you are not familiar, by the way, is a neobank. Oh, so yes. this is a hot space, a neobank that offers no fee online Neo banking just means services. New. It just well, it means new, but it also means basically, let's be real, a fancy skin over somebody else's FDIC insured product. So Holy. a neobank is not a real bank. You can't take the curtain down like that and show people the behind the scenes. <laughs> so I'm instead so of neo, <laughs> instead of saying new or neo, we could say faux bank. Sure. Facade bank would facade, be more a banking facade. Yes. It makes banking nicer. Or it's actually just like the request for startup that we made vis-a-vis Amazon. Like put a nicer, friendlier skin. interface. And then they do nice things like um They'll give you a little bit of a payday loan. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Hmm. It's a banking front, if you will. If it's we're going to go down front. the facade mm-hmm. analogy yeah, That's a good way to put it. But a it's not a front. front in the mafia sense, like Stripe is a mafia. Right, exactly. Just- Stripe is a mafia. <laughs> Chime is a front. Not a there, mafia. we named the show. <laughs> Chime is a <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, You're going to get some emails for this show. Sorry. I know, right? Of course. Who cares? We can have fun. So, yeah, I don't know enough about Chime, except they have over 10 million account holders, that's kind of hard to fake. So when I look yes. at an assess a startup, I look at what's hard to fake when I don't know enough about it. And I mm-hmm. think faking, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, when you start to get into tens, millions to tens of millions of people using a product, it's just very hard to fake or manufacture. Uh, so especially when it's a paid product or it involves a deposit. So to open up a Coinbase account and actually trade something or uh, a Robinhood account and trade something or chime and make a deposit or Wealthfront shout out just got bought by UBS. Yum, yum. Uh, all of that stuff takes real work in the real world. And so I, I, I say this is uh, a yes for me. I say IPO. I say go. Did you own Wealthfront stock? I tried to invest early on and they had closed around. I said, Hey, can I reopen? And they just like, how much do you want to invest? And I told them the number and they're like, Jay Cal for you. You're an advisor to the company. And they gave me the amount I tried to pay for just early in my career when it was like a one-year-old company in equity. So free. I got a free roll. Uh, you it's good to be f- Jayco. It's good to be. Yeah, you're, you're exactly buying me lunch next time I see you. Jesus. Uh, or uh, more. Or no, more. You never know, Alex. Lunch you never is good. know, Alex. Lunch is good. I, I, right. I don't, I don't want to be any further I'll in your debt than a I'll take you to the same place I took Molly to lunch <laughs> for ramen. 
it has a tendency to expand the possibilities gonna, of a person. He's not going to uh, throw you in the pool at the Aria, but he is going to take you to this one special lunch, and everything is going to change for you, my friend. Okay, so as long as Clay Thompson's there, Robin to give is me a for hug. closers. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Robin is for closers. All right, listen. If you would repeat back to us, Molly, if you'd be so kind. Yes. To repeat back to us all the IPOs, we did yes, no IPOs. And then I just want to go around the horn and pick our most favorite, our wild card, and our least favorite. So most favorite, mm -hmm. our wild card, one that we just love for some re weird reason, and then our okay. least favorite. All right. So our list to recap is Stripe, Discord, Reddit, Impossible, Instacart, GoPuff, and Chime. Let's do least favorite first. I'm going with Instacart as my least favorite because the valuation doesn't match reality and competition headwinds. Least favorite, right, Instacart. Alex, next. Least uh, favorite Instacart. It's a tie between Instacart and Impossible Foods uh, for the reasons Ooh, that Jason good. outlined. And I, I just want to say that people kept telling me that everything was going to be different this time with low margin, high cost deliveries, and I never believed it. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This time it's going to be different. And what do you got? My least favorite in the IPO department actually is Discord. What? What? Yep. Why? I love uh, it. Discord is my favorite in many other ways. I just don't wow. necessarily see Discord going public in a down market. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now let's go for our favorites. Our favorite in all of this, the company. I'll define fa our favorite, the strongest IPO. And what do you got, Alex? Strongest oh, IPO. If it's strongest IPO, not favorite, it's Stripe. If it's favorite, it's Discord, just to piss Molly off. And wait, wait, so favorite would be. Well, let me rephrase that. The one that was. The one that will be the best investment if you hold it for 10 years. Oh, Stripe. Yeah. Okay. So I'll go with Stripe too. Yeah. No it's kind of obvious. All right. Way. Now we go it's with right our wild way. card. The one we love for some weird reason. And for me, that's Reddit. And I gave my reason before, which was, I think that it is the slow juggernaut that's just going to keep growing 10% a year. They never change the interface and it's under monetized and they could go buy things and expand with that currency and i think the stock is going to run up ridiculously because of the stonks user base who know how to manipulate stocks okay yeah, reddit became my favorite when you said that like it would have been my favorite anyway because mm. i absolutely adore reddit and i think the smartest people on the entire planet are on that platform mm. and i am grateful to have access to them but also the idea that every single one of them might buy reddit stock is just beautiful weird yeah. i love it all right i'm gonna go with GoPuff. Because don't Ooh. forget that it's called Go Puff. It is designed to take care of people who are consuming cannabis based products, which are becoming more and more illegal around the world. And there is mm. no one more likely to order a bag of chips and pay an enormous delivery fee than someone who cannot move off the couch. And so I am making a long term bet on college students existing all around the nation, stoned off their ass, ordering from Go Puff. Also, it'd be cool to see a vision fund company do well, you know, one of them. Ah, very nice. Oh, nice wild Ooh. card. Little, that's a little dig. <laughs> Slash high five. Okay. I, okay. They, they backed Zoom, yeah. the pizza company that was going to make robot van pizzas. I'm allowed oh, to make man. jokes about them. Give me that. I, I, I ate the robot pizza. I almost you? invested in the company. Was it? Was and it good? I ate the pizza was a six out of 10. I ate from the pizza truck one night at our poker game. The pizza truck came because one of my friends was going to invest and they had a mobile delivery pizza truck. That was brilliant. Here's how it worked. There were. 40 ovens in the back of like a tractor trailer like big uh -huh. big car each one of them had a pizza in it already 
and I guess it was refrigerated or they were frozen. I, I didn't ever got an answer to this, but this was their concept. You order your pizza, Molly, and it's driving to your, you know, 100 Main Street and you order two pepperonis. Mm-hmm. And then Alex ordered and you're, he's at 500 Main Street and he ordered, you know, two veggie lover delights. It now knows the GPS location of the truck. It fires off oven six and seven with the pepperoni on the way to your house. And you're watching through a camera in the oven, getting shots of your pizza, and you see the GPS location. It gets to your house. They hand you the hot pizza. Alex is watching his veggie delight, and they could take the 30, 40, 50 minutes of Pizza Hut because it's mobile in a robotic thing down to whatever. That part I love. I didn't hate the part that. of the making the pizza in the store with a robot, it wasn't that much different yeah. than what Pizza Hut's already doing. Mm-hmm. And I like soup to nuts robots, robots that can go from, you know, a hun- do 100% of the job. That's why I did Cafe X. It's 100% of the job. Mm. The pizza and the burgers got somewhere between 40 and 60% of the job, which to me is like doing zero. Yeah. You got to get 100% done. You can't do 60% robotic. It's not helpful. When you play your private poker game with your friends, which we've talked about offline before, uh, I forget yeah. what, what, like what stakes do you guys play? Like 50, a hundred or like a hundred, 200 is the standard game. Oh yeah. Lines, I'm too, I'm too 5k buy-in. I was going to invite my, but uh, I would drop it down to a $500 buying game and play 10, 20 or whatever. Uh, if we did a, a, a smaller I game, mean, for sure, my place. poker game are like currency. Uh, oh, I can't just come. Oh, that. I don't know. You would not, invite, be, you would not believe myself. the extent I have had people offer me, like, I'll pay for your buy-ins at the game if you can get me into the game. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, no, I can pay for my own buy-ins. No, I'll give you're not paying for me. a hug if you let me come. That's all I'm, I'm ever going to... Yeah. I'd like let to host a say, smaller game. I've been, here, I'd like to host. I've been here three and a half weeks and have gotten three emails requesting to be part of Jason's game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm it's like, not a. Okay. Oh, I might put it in my Twitter bio. Like I can seats get just you don't come. The, those seats don't come up. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say this, Molly. Congrats <laughs> on the uh, on the career oh. move and so forth. I didn't. I, I should have said that at the absolute top. You're an absolute yeah. treasure, and uh, it's a treat to get to hang out yeah. with you more. And I just want to say good luck on all things that are new. I'm really proud of you and excited. You're the best, oh. Alex. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Alex. Thanks to Molly. Follow Alex at Alex. And then go ahead and uh, go into your podcast player and search for Equity TechCrunch and subscribe to his podcast. It's amazing. You get more of what you got here today. And uh, follow at Molly Wood. Follow at Jason. Yada, yada, yada. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. guys, Rachel reporting here. On February 14th and 15th, we'll be hosting Founder University Intensive. This is a two-day program for founders. Now, this course is only open to women founders. We'll be hosting a course open to everyone on May 9th and 10th. You can apply for both at founder.university. And applications for the longer 12-week Founder University program are due on February 14th, and you can also apply for those at founder.university. Follow Jason and Molly on Twitter, at Jason and at Molly Wood. If you're not a boomer and prefer TikTok, search for This Week in Startups to find the fan account at this underscore week underscore in underscore startups. And our official account at TWI Startups. But honestly, the fan account is way better than ours. And if you're still not tired of hearing from Jason six days a week, you can hear him read his book, Angel, at angelthebook.com slash audible.